Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a yet an empty day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Anastasia Hatsuveselu, founder and chief executive of Super Able Mind, a cognitive behavioral technique designed by Anastasia, founder, who trains the mind in such a way that negates fear, worry, and stress. Anastasia, hello. Hello, Matthew. How are you? Hello. Well, I think you are just the uh, just the person that we all need to speak with right about now. Uh, with, oh, I hope so. With the uh, with the current um, um, worry uh, to do with uh, the the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, just before we begin our conversation on leadership, do you have any uh, wise words of advice? Um. Yeah. Stay cool, calm, and connected. Um, stay kind, uh, respectful, empathetic. Um, and yeah, just uh, tame and temper those reactive and fearful thoughts. Uh, and as a consequence, then you'll be able to feel more comfortable with what's going on and able to respond to it rather than react to it in such a way that, that we get to feel okay and, and, and able. Do you feel that uh, the public's worry about this has been assuaged enough, or do you feel that there are uh, outlets, uh, whether it be uh, through uh, social media or traditional media, that are just stirring up worry? Well, of course, social media will always stir up worry because it comprises of, of, of a range of, uh, of, of personalities and characters, and there you will find all the non-reactive personas. Um, but yeah, people do work themselves up into a frenzy. We are designed to be critical and judgmental and, uh, and defensive and offensive and we're under threat. And this is uh, definitely a, a threat situation. But um, there are people on social media that are advising uh, you know, something else, like myself, for example. I've offered um, the elderly, people who are isolated, the opportunity to speak with me uh, on a platform you know, twice a week at noontime so we can kind of connect and communicate and support one another. And that's also possible through social media. It's the way that you use it, of course. That is, that is an interesting point that you bring up about communities coming together at this point in time. Uh, I've noticed uh, several uh, musical acts have come together to offer free concerts. Uh, There's in fact a, 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 band in Germany that's offering uh, them every day at uh, mm. 6 p.m. GMT um, live on- online. And it's fantastic because this is something we would not have been able to do 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, this sort of engagement, yeah. social media has two faces. It's it's the Janus of sorts of uh, uh, engagement because uh, one side has the ugly face and the other side has the good face. And uh, yeah. even though we are uh, talking about worry and whether or not it's being drummed up uh, to a point that's unhealthy, uh, I think the responsible thing to remember, it, it is something that is very serious, that we do have to take seriously, but not be so worried about it. Um, now, uh, getting on to leadership, uh, as longtime listeners of the program will uh, know, my favorite question to begin this conversation uh, with is, what does the word leader mean to you? Well, um, I've kind of prepared something here with a list of things that are important about you know, leadership skills, but what is a leader? I think a leader is someone that uh, takes responsibility, uh, takes control or charge, and then organizes uh, the people, the team, 
uh, the organization, the company, um, in such a way that it's, it's most productive and most effective um, in any given situation. So whether it's, uh, you know, one of my favorite leaders is John Wooden. You know, they used to call him the wizard, and he was able to, to coach the LA Lakers to seven consecutive victories. How do you do that? How was he able to take all those personalities and characters um, and, and mesh them and, and get them working together, communicating together in such a way that, you know, they were able to achieve those, those results. And it was, you know, I think that he was a, a humanist. He was compassionate. He was sympathetic. Um, and he led beautifully, beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. Most loved. Yeah. Um, understanding the importance of, of human relationships, I think, you know, um, understanding how they work and how they don't work. You know, I think, you know, we have a great example here in, in you know, the former president, you know, Obama, um, and what's going on with, with, with President Trump. You know, I think Obama had a, a more humanistic, empathetic approach, to, you know, to, to people, to society, to community. Um, also knowing, you know, to, to get the right people on board, mm-hmm. you know, to choose well. Uh, who is your team? What are their values? What are their qualities? What are their abilities? And then to also be able to nurture and bring out the best in each different, uh, in each person, each individual, each mm-hmm. um, member of the team. Um, also, um, to be flexible, I think, you know, to be flexible and adaptable to of new Of course, flexibility is absolutely key. Yeah, new data. You know, we have a saying in the work that we teach, flexibility supports adaptability. We have another, you know, uh, idea that we teach, you know, responding versus reacting. Um, we have various ideas that we teach in the work that we do that support a non-reactive level of mind and as a consequence optimizes brain performance and also triggers that middle prefrontal cortex or what I call the baby genius, the most evolved mm. part of the, of the human brain, which has 10 tremendous features accessible to all of us. We have the same architecture in the brain. And I think those 10 features you know, is what, is what a leader needs to access, for example, attuned communication being able to tune in mm-hmm. to the, you know, the, the people that are before you, the people that are around you, to sense them, um, to empathize with them, you know, to be, to almost predict, you know, what, you know, predict them in some way. Um, fear modulation is another one of those features, fear control, flexibility response. Uh, empathy is, is, is also one of those features of the middle prefrontal cortex. Insight, uh, creativity, abstract thought, morality, um, you know, they're all uh, incredible, you know, qualities and skills that we can develop and have, but a leader, you know, it, it, it would merit his, his position to have them. Mm. Um, what else have I also got? Um, so also to have thick skin and not be fragile. I think mm. that's important. To not be overly sensitive, not take things personally. Um, and, and I think that's really important. I think Donald Trump, you know, shows us how that's not working for him. You know, he's, he's, he's almost hypersensitive about what's said about him and his role. Um, you know, again, Obama was very flexible and, and open and adaptable and willing to listen to, to, to the opinions of those that shared a different point of view and to give them that platform to express that. Obama was also uh, great in the way that he used to. He had this, this agreement with, with Biden and he used to say, look, everyone's going to agree with me because I'm, I'm, I'm the most powerful uh, person in the room. But that means that they won't speak and share their, their, their views, their opinions. They had a little agreement with him that when he crossed his leg this way or, you know, touched his, his earlobe, that Biden would ask 
make a statement or, or, or ask the question. And so Obama or, you know, had that in place to make sure that he heard all points, all opinions, all perspectives. And he always, he, he used to kind of speak at the end as, as opposed to just uh, speaking at the beginning. He was a great listener, you know, and we see that. Uh, you know, he, he listened. And as a consequence, he, would able to, he was able to collect that data and then to access that middle prefrontal cortex, those, those features, and then have a, a new perspective. You know, he was willing to change. He was willing to, new, you know, to listen to new ideas. And that's important, I think, as well. Well, unfortunately, our time together is drawing to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Super Able Mind? Well, we have a, a, a team of about nine uh, neuro practitioners, we call them. And uh, we have a, a sports model that we've got Pat Cash, former Wimbledon champion, involved with. So we're here, we hope to, to, to teach young and upcoming players the sort of skills that give them longevity. Uh, in the sport, we have a medical model, so we work with people with um, neurological pathologies. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a an education model and a uh, a families model. So in essence, we're you know, we've been now running the company for seven years, and um, and we just want to continue to do much of the same thing, really. Yeah. Well, Anastasia, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program, and it'll be lovely to have you back on at some point in the near future. Anastasia, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. That was Anastasia Hatsavitsalu, founder and chief executive of Super Able Mind. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, had one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. 
he um, he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years. I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there... It's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And, of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with the, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and, of course, your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. 
But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn song, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in a group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could... Uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing, and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger so mm. I, I had an impact of thinking I. At that stage, I like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Lee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, if maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know, in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, well, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be and I'd be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back, out, out. So I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out. The squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, 
think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we had some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um... Oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely, but I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then, but we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want, you want, you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on, go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a. a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but I, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did... Uh, um, but then again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, 
fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke, and of course in, uh, England fans who, um, I, I think probably yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, um, well, it, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it, uh, perhaps. Um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think. Some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals, or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely, that's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that, struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and 
and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at that, so many. yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding and, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody, and I'm going back from an earlier, earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good, good teammates, mm. good socially. And that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. It, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the... Um, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. And there was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. You- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly. Uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership, all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements. And it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. 
its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.